Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. A number of years ago, there was a, a television show called Mythbusters. Anybody remember Mythbusters? Mythbusters was doing a, they were busting a myth in, in Dublin, California, and it was with a cannonball. And the objective was to take a cannonball and they were going to shoot a cannonball into a large body of water. They missed the water. And the cannonball crashed through a cinder block wall, skipped down about a 700 foot cliff, just flew through the air. It, it landed in a quiet street, rolled right up and crashed through the front door of someone's home, skipped up the steps, burst through a bedroom door, and then went out the stucco wall, left a perfect, about a cantaloupe size, round hole in the wall. It flew across a, a, a six-lane road, took some roof tiles off a, a house, and finally crashed into a beige Toyota minivan. Just wrecked it. The sheriff said, he said, man, he said, crazy. He said, crazy, 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 crazy. He said, who had ever thought that a stray cannonball could do that much damage? They underestimated the power of a cannonball. Say, what are you going to go, where are you going with this, Alan? I want to talk this morning about something that is, is, can be as powerful as a cannonball in our lives. And that's our words. And so as we wrap up our series on a different year, I want to talk this morning about speaking differently. Speaking differently. Say, well, words, you know, what's, what's in a word? A lot. There's a lot. Words are used to express thoughts and emotions. We're the, we're the only ones that can express it. I know they've taught dolphins and chimpanzees and everyone to have communication, but they, they don't express like we do. And I know many of you think your dog can talk but your dog has never showed up one morning, put his paw on your leg and said, hey, can we talk about the food we're getting here? Because I, I just, they, they communicate, but it's not like we can. We can express our thoughts. We can express our feelings. Have you ever noticed though how much of our words are negative? Have you ever just did a word audit? Listening to the people around you, first do it on yourself. Don't do it on everybody else, but, just, but do it on yourself. How much of the stuff we say is negative? And it'll get you in trouble. A lady, young lady, decided that she was going to move out on her own, left her parents' home. She's a good girl, too, good church girl. Moved out on her own, but her apartment was so quiet. She said, I need to get something. So she bought a parrot. And this parrot could talk. Oh, could it talk. But unfortunately, the parrot had been raised by someone with quite a colorful language. And, and this parrot could cuss like nobody's business parrot dropping F-bombs, saying all kinds, putting strings of explicit, just, just horrible. And it frustrated. She did not like that kind of language. She would tell the parrot, shut up. Parrot would just mock her and keep cussing. And one day she was finally, she had enough. Parrot went on a tirade and she grabbed it around the neck, snatched it off its perch, walked over to the, she didn't know what to do with it. So she just opened her freezer door, threw the parrot in the freezer door and slammed the door. All that parrot cussed. Man, that parrot just cussed and cussed and cussed and then went quiet. She thought, I killed it. I have killed this parrot. She's a soft-hearted individual. She opened up the door. Instead of finding a dead parrot, the parrot was just standing there. 
She put her hand out and the parrot climbed on her hand. The parrot cocked his head and looked at her and said, I'd like to apologize for my behavior and assure you it will not happen again. She said, uh, okay, I accept your apology. The parrot said, may I ask you a question? She said, sure. He nodded his head back toward the freezer. He said, what did the chicken do? <laughs> your, your words. <laughs> your words can get you in trouble. And so oftentimes they're negative. And then if, if you ever notice with, with our words, when someone else says something, it's important. But when we say something, it's just like I, I was just saying. You say something unkind. That's kind of like the new code word. Say something like, ooh, you're looking bad. Just saying. Like that's going to make it go away. I was raised in the South. And in the South, the way we handle things like that is our code word is you can say anything as long as you preface it with bless your heart. That's the Southern code word. I'd come running in. I'd bust my head on the glass door. And then I busted my head. I ran through the glass. My mom would look at me. She'd go, well, darling, bless your heart. That's like stupid little child. What did you just do? <laughs> so that's Southern. So if someone goes, well, bless your heart. They just code worded you. <laughs> You're stupid. That's what they just called you. <laughs> but our words, we have a tendency to underestimate them. And we say things like, I was just saying. I didn't mean it. And that the words are like cannonballs. I can do damage. If you're a believer... We're actually called to speak differently. Now, a lot of times people think about, you know, I know I'm called to live differently. This verse in Romans is a, is a great verse. It, it says, don't be, do not be conformed. Paul was writing to the church. He said, don't be conformed. That word means molded into this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That word transformation means change inside out. So Paul is writing, and he's writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, don't be conformed, which means there would be a tendency, if you did nothing, you could be conformed, molded. And there is like a current of conformity in the world. It's, it's negative. It's God-ignoring. It's fear-based. It's problem-focused. And so there's this current in the world that's flowing, and, and the Lord said, don't don't do that. Don't be conformed to that. Well, oftentimes when we think of conformity, we think of we're not going to be a certain way. You know, when I grew up, I grew up, my parents were Baptists, and so I grew up Baptist, and they were pretty serious. And so I, I kind of grew up thinking you don't cuss, smoke, drink, chew, and go with girls that do. That was, that was like the whole sum of your whole Christian experience. But you did not do. And yet what they did talk about was to, to speak differently from everyone else. That we don't just live differently by what we don't do, but we speak differently. And one of the ways we speak differently is we begin to treat our words as valuable and as powerful. Right now in Japan, if you go to Japan and ride on their bullet trains, they have a, they have a system that they call point and call. And the, the train conductors, when they're coming into the station, they will point at their speedometer and call out the speed. They will point at what track they're on and call out the track. The, the, the people who are operating the doors will point 
and call out clear or, or call out different things, but they're pointing and speaking. And you think, well, that's, that's a little weird. But what they found is when they instituted this point and call system, it reduced accidents by 85%. In fact, it made such a difference that, that uh, Toyota employed it across all of their manufacturing processes. Point and call. Why? There's something in our words. And our words, it, it, they're more powerful than we think. And science finds this out, but God's known this all the time. And so to, to use our words differently, if we want a different year, we want to begin to speak differently. And one of the ways we begin to speak differently, you say, well, Alan, I've, I've, never, I've never heard this before. Yeah, you actually, do my words matter? Yeah, they do. And, and spiritually, you look through the, if you just ever look through the, for the book of Proverbs and just do a, a search on the word, words, word, tongue, mouth, and lips, you see it all through Proverbs. And it's talking about the words that come out of our mouth. Now, one of, the, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, Old Testament, is a guy named David. David was, David was really a pretty amazing character. And he was anointed, chosen to be king. He's the second king of Israel, chosen to be king when he was like 17, 18 years old. Anointed to be king. His brothers didn't even remember him. He was like the eighth. You had eight brothers, you're way down the list. And so he was the eighth, but God saw him. God saw his heart. God picked him. And his entrance into Israel and their awareness was when he fought a giant called Goliath. Probably one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. In fact, you'll even hear sports use the term David and Goliath stories. Goliath was huge. Historians tell us that he was anywhere from seven and a half to over nine feet. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, when you get to heaven, don't accuse David of fighting a midget. Just say, how tall was Goliath? And then he can tell you. But ask the question. Don't make him mad. So the, the idea, though, was this, this giant of a man would come out in the two armies, Israel and the Philistines. They hated each other. Philistines were always, always adversarial with Israel. And they, had, they set the battle, but before they could fight, Goliath would step out into the valley and he would challenge Israel. He would, he would defy them. He said, why don't you give me a man to fight? Your servants of Saul. Saul actually was, was the king. He was the tallest guy in Israel. And, and really, Goliath was calling him out. And Saul wasn't moving. But he said, your servants of Saul, let's have a fight. And if I win, you guys serve us. You win, you beat me, then we'll serve you. And he did this and talked bad about them and, and, and cursed them and said all kinds of things trying to get somebody to fight. Nobody would fight this guy. In fact, they were all afraid of him. They were running from him. He would come out and he intimidated the whole army. So David is sent by his father to go down and see his three brothers. His three brothers are with the army of Israel and his three older brothers. And his father sent some snacks down to him. So take these snacks to your brothers. And so... He goes down there, and when David is there, he's taking the snacks, and he hears Goliath. And David begins to speak differently. Now, it's important to listen to how David speaks. Because David, if you read through the Psalms, if you read the story of his life, he talked differently than other people. And it's important that we learn how he talked. So as we see David talk, we found that David talked differently than the doubt and unbelief that was all around him. Let's look at this story. 
David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for this man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Just leave it up there just for a moment. You see that phrase uncircumcised Philistine? That's not Old Testament smack talk. That is an indication. He's saying this, this man has no covenant with God. I do. He doesn't. And the people answered him in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Big rewards there. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, David's oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart for you have come down to see the battle. There really wasn't a battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? When David spoke, he, he began to speak it, and his words had some confidence in it. He's like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. What's going to be done for the man that kills this, this uncircumcised Philistine? You know, David never called him a giant. He never called him a warrior. He never even referred to him by, he just kept referring to him as a Philistine or an uncircumcised Philistine. He's like, what's going to happen to the man who kills him? Like, well, you get to marry the king's daughter. There's no taxes. You get a big reward. David's like, man, this sounds good. And so David's, David's talking and he's talking confidence in God, but it made his brother mad. His brother who was doing nothing, his brother who wasn't fighting, it, it convicted him. And so he kind of lashed out at David like, where'd you leave those little sheep? Sheep's up in the wilderness. Who'd you leave them with? I mean, why are you here? I know your pride. And uh, I think David answered with a lot of wisdom. He didn't look at it. Eliab was the oldest. Eliab was, was the one who also got passed over for being king. They said he was tall, good looking. Uh, being tall and good looking does not make you king. And uh, David looked at him and said, what have I done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason that I should be talking this way? And the, and the next verse actually says, and David turned and said the same thing again. What should be done for the man who kills this uncircumcised? He just kept talking. So I'm going to ignore Eliab and his doubt and his unbelief. I'm going to keep talking. So his words, David's words, brought him before King Saul. And he comes before King Saul, but now, now he's got to speak differently than the limitations and the negativity he's going to get from Saul. Look what Saul says to him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when the lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. <laughs> Basic like, bless your heart, but go. <laughs> But you can, hear, you can hear the limitations. Saul's looking at David going, he's a, he's a warrior since he was a kid. You're still a kid. He's huge. You're small. You can't fight this guy. The statistics don't back it up. The science is against it. There's no way you can do this. 
And David did not yield to what Saul said. David said, the Lord who helped me in time past is the same Lord who's going to help me in this time. And his, his, David's, David's words of confidence talked the king into letting the teenager go fight a man of war. Go and the Lord be with you. Let him go. But, but we're not done yet. Because David had to speak differently against the limitations and the negativity that's just flowing his way. But the next one is fear. You know, sometimes we read in the Bible story where, where Israel goes out to fight and God has already killed all of their enemies. They go out there and there's, everybody's dead. They're like, yay. I'm sure David was hoping when he went out there like be a lightning bolt and kill Goliath. Didn't happen that way. So Goliath sees David coming. David had a staff and he had a sling and he had five stones. Slingshot. There was a sling where they would sling it like this and let go of one, not, not this kind, this kind. And he sees him coming and, and Goliath didn't back, Goliath didn't go, ooh, didn't bother him at all. In fact, Goliath starts talking trash. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog? Did you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. That's how fear talks. You're going down. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Is that it? You just hear that one and go, yeah, yeah, let's go fight a giant. Powerful words. This day. So he had all that fear coming his way and the enemy saying what's going to happen. And David spoke back with equal force. This day, God's going to help. He didn't say, I'm good with this slingshot. He said, the Lord's going to deliver me. It's not just me. I'm going to give all you and your peoples, all of y'all. I'm going to give you carcasses to the birds and the beast. And they're going to know there's a God in Israel. Ooh, you like that. And then you know the end of the story. David takes that sling, takes one stone, hits him right in the middle of the forehead, probably knocked him smooth out. Guy falls on his face and David takes his Goliath sword, cuts his head off. And Israel wins a great battle. You know, don't look at this story. <laughs> I know sometimes people look at that and they go, Pastor Allen, if you'd been there, would you fought Goliath? Well, let's don't ask that, okay? Let's, let's, uh, but, but, let me, but let me talk to you about something. Sometimes we read stories of people who do something amazing. And this is not like the Avengers. This is a, a real story. And we, we read these stories or, or someone that does something amazing, especially someone who does something courageous, and we go, ooh, I, I don't know if I could do that. That lady stopped me one time after a service and she said, Pastor, I heard about in the Soviet Union a few years ago, a bunch of soldiers stepped into a church service and said, okay, everyone who's not a Christian leave. And some people got up and left and, and they were all staring down, the, all these Christians were staring down these, these machine guns. And, and, and then the, they looked at the pastor and said, okay, Pastor, we cleared out all the spies, let's have church. But she was disturbed by this. She said, if I'd have been there, I don't know what I would have done. And I, I was thinking about something and it had to be the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I said, listen, I said, don't put yourself in that situation. Put yourself where you are right now. 
Don't ask if you could fight Goliath. Ask what God can do with the, with the challenges that you're facing right now. And right now, I can deal with God, by the grace of God, I can deal with the problems in my life now. I don't have to compare myself with David, but I can learn from David and go, if God helped David, God can help me. Does that make sense? So you don't, don't compare yourself with anybody else to say, God, by the grace of God, I can handle the problems and the challenges that I'm facing now with your help. How do we speak differently? How do you speak differently this year? You want a different year? We talked about different things to do. We want, we want to change some things. How do you speak differently? I think the first thing is we need to recognize the current that's in the world, but not be intimidated by it, not be stopped by it. We have to understand, guys, there's a, there's a current of doubt and unbelief that's in the world. And if you stand up and say anything about your confidence in God, it's not going to make everybody around you happy, including Christians. When Joy was diagnosed with a chronic acute pancreatitis, the doctors did not give us a lot of hope. In fact, one of her doctors was very concerned that some of her attacks, that one of them, if it was too severe, could be fatal. And so we were not given a, a, a great, a, a, anything good, but we believed something. We believed that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Jesus that healed then, heals today. And we begin to believe and, and Joy began to say, they began to ask Joy, how are you doing? And she began to say, I believe I received my healing. I'm strong. People would talk to Joy. They'd say, how are you doing? And Joy would say, I'm strong. She didn't look strong. She didn't look anything. She looked bad. But she began to talk about not how she looked. She began to talk about her confidence in God. And you would have thought people would have gone, yay. And some did. But we had a neighbor, a Christian, who got mad that Joy was expressing confidence in God who was a healer and was sending her articles and sending her stories and telling her about people who died and people who just lived with their stuff and that God didn't heal anymore. And she was not happy. Listen, when you express your confidence in God, it's not going to make everybody else happy. You just keep speaking. Don't stop. And I'm so glad Joy didn't read those articles. In fact, she started reading them and she threw him away. You say, what did you do with that friend? I told her not to come around anymore. That's not Christian-like. Listen, I'm trying, my wife is on a death-defying thing. I don't need your doubt and unbelief breathing down her neck. Someone explains, listen, someone just says, hey, if, if someone expresses confidence in God, whether you believe it or not, just go, amen, I'm with you. There's a current of doubt and unbelief. There's a current of, of limitations where people look at you and go, you can't do that. You can't, you can't have a happy marriage. You can't be single and be okay. You can't take that job. You can't do this. You can't. There all the time, there are people who will tell you all the things that you can't do and all the negative things. You just say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to start a new job. You're going to have people oh, and they just, they just launch in with the negatives. And they can say all the negatives they want, but don't let them deter you from what you have. If the Lord's spoken to you in your heart, you hang on to that right there. When Joy and I got, when Joy and I got married, her family was not excited about me. I have no idea why, but they were not excited about me. And they didn't want Joy marrying me. She was 21. I was 22. 
We had a lot of things going on. There was a lot of baggage that we brought to the table and her family didn't think it was going to work. When her dad, her biological dad, is dancing with her and, and at our wedding, he whispers in her ear, if it doesn't work with this guy, you can come and live with me. This is at the wedding. <laughs> and no one was giving us a chance. No one. But you can't... But, <laughs> But thank God we didn't go, oh, really? It's not going to work? Oh, I thought it would. No, we had something different in our heart. I believe that God brought us together, and that's all we spoke. We said, we're, we're going to stay with it. And it didn't look pretty at the first few years, but I'll tell you something, it got better and better and better, and April will be 40, and we're still going strong. And so, hey, just because you say it doesn't mean I have to believe it. Not if God puts something different in my heart. So don't give in to speak differently than all the negatives. Joy and I never spoke divorce. It may have come up twice in 40 years. And immediately we recognized it and never said it again. We didn't speak. The last thing is this. There's a current of fear that's in the earth. And it will tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going down. You're not going to make it. You're going to die alone. No one cares. You're unlovable. You'll never have this. You start to hear those negatives and, and their fear. Listen, you can't be intimidated and don't give voice to the fear. Don't start saying, I'm not going to make it. I just don't know if I'm, I'm not going to make it. I'm, no, don't give voice to the fear. You've got to do like David and rise up and say, oh, no, 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 no. I am not giving in to this fear. In, in 2 Timothy 1.7 Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, God's not given us a spirit of fear. It's not God that's behind the fear voices that you're hearing. God's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we don't, I don't, we don't speak fear. Jordan and I did a lot. Of, we have done a lot of things wrong. We have not been a perfect marriage. I promise you that. We've not been perfect parents. Just ask man. <laughs> but the one thing we did not do is we did not speak fear. And we did not speak can't. And we didn't speak negatives as much as we could. We watched our mouth. Use your words to help you, not to hurt you. Use God's word as a template for your words. I don't, we, don't, we don't walk around the house quoting scriptures all the time. We do a lot. But not everything that Joy says to me do I respond with the scripture. But the scriptures are the basis for what we say. They're the basis. When someone says, I don't think you can do this, you don't have to go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you can look at them and go, yeah, I, I, I can do this. And you're thinking to yourself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it says, you know, your family, your family just has a curse on it. You, actually, you might want to respond to that one with, oh, no. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law being made a curse for me. And the blessings of Abraham are on my family. We're not the cursed. We're the blessed. There's, there's this, it becomes a template. And if you're, especially if you're dealing with thoughts that are bothering you, having God's word to use as, as a weapon against it. You know, we talked about that cannonball. Stray words can be a weapon. God's word can be a weapon. And seem like your thoughts are buzzing. You need to have something that comes back. Joy works with our staff every Tuesday, and she's and she leads our staff prayer. We pray for you guys. 
And the staff prayer, Joy's been having them say for a number of years now and repeat and meditate on this verse in Proverbs. And actually, just the first part of it, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And over the course of the years, we've had our staff write us and say, we got a bad report on this and, and my husband lost his job and we heard this and heard that. They said, and the first thing that came up in, in our hearts was, I trusted the Lord with all my heart. We need something to combat when the thoughts start, you can actually begin to redirect your thoughts with your words. If you begin to say something different, don't give in to the fear thoughts. Don't give in to the negative thoughts. Don't give in. And that's, that, well, boy, that, that will help you so much. Here's the last thing. Begin to see your words, remember we're talking about differently. Begin to see your words as valuable, powerful seeds. You plant seeds. We plant our words. Things don't may, may not change overnight, but we're going to plant them. If you gave me a, a garden plot and told me, Alan, if you just bring me some seeds, I will plant the seeds for, for you or, and I'll work the garden for you, but I'll do it for you. Then I'm in. Other than that, I'm out. But, if, but I'm going to bring you some seeds. I'm going to bring you some tomato seeds. I'm going to bring you some corn seeds. And I'm going to bring you some watermelon seeds. You say, well, why, Alan? Because I love fresh tomatoes, and I love watermelon, and I love fresh corn. Just a hint. Uh, I like Corvettes too while I'm at it, but that's just. But I tell you what, I'm not going to plant. I'm not going to plant onions. Do you know why? I hate onions. Sally, I'm not supposed to use the word hate. If I could think of a stronger word, I would use it. I hate onions. If I hate onions, I'm not going to plant onions. Don't plant what you don't want. Don't look at your children and go, oh dear Lord, you're going to wind up in jail. <laughs> don't plant that. And don't let your children plant. Parents, listen to me. If your kids begin to say, no one loves me, no one cares about me, everyone hates me, I'm just a loser. Don't just look at them and go, well, bless, bless their hearts they'll get over it or they'll grow out of it. Work with them now and begin to get some different words in their mouth. You don't want them planting those seeds. You want them saying, I've got a plan. I've got a destiny. God loves me. There's good things for me. There's a future for me. You can give them words. That's what we do. So many people, so many people, they only, they only say what they see. That's what the world does. They say what they see. We're able to look beyond that. And we begin to plant what we want. So if you're going through a tough time, let me, just, let me just help you with this. I'm your pastor. I love you. Let me help you. Don't keep talking about it's a tough time. We're going through a tough time. Our marriage is going through a tough time. My kids are going through a tough time. Hey, I'm not saying deny it, but I'm not saying don't keep talking about it. If you're going to stay, hey, we're going through a tough time, but we believe God's going to help us. We're going through a difficult time, but we believe that God's for us. Man, I've, I've been dealing with some panic, but I know God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see what I'm saying? Don't keep talking. Use your words to help you, not hurt you. Because if your words came up, if you could see the harvest of them, it's like, ooh, I don't want to plant anything I don't want. There was a... Uh, the lady who wrote the book uh, Blindside, they did the movie about Blindside. 
she wrote a book, and, and in her book she talked about a little-known um, plan that's out there where uh, kids who have aged out of foster care can, can gain an internship working with senators. And so she was, um, she was talking about a senator they met, and the senator had hired this young man. He'd aged out of foster care. He didn't have a place to live, and, and the state wouldn't support him, so he, he was getting on his feet, sharp young man, and the senator hired him. And one morning, the senator came into his, his office, and the young man, the young intern, was there ahead of time. And he had cleaned out the mail room and had organized it. And the senator walked in, looked around, and he said, man, this place looks great. He said, it's never looked this good. He looked at the young man, he went, great job. He walked into his office. When he came out just a few minutes later to ask a question, there were tears streaming down the young intern's face. He said, son, are you okay? And the young man said, yes, quietly. He said, son, did I, did I do anything to offend you? The young man said, no. He said, son, what's wrong? He said, uh, he looked at him and said, all my life. He said, that's the first time anyone's ever told me that I've done something good. Words. They're powerful. Now you may be thinking, well, no one's ever told me I've, I've really done anything good. I, I will tell you who speaks very good of you, and that's God. He says of you that you are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He said that you're chosen of him, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. He says that you're, you can right, stand before him in righteousness and true holiness. God says some really good things about you. And if you don't know him, he says he loves you enough that he would send his son to die for you. And all you had to do was receive what Jesus has done and you could have everlasting life, the life of God. Talk about words. We base our whole eternity on words. They're powerful. Would you bow your head with me just for a moment? Please, no one leaving or moving will be out here in just a minute. But if you came this morning and you said, Alan, I, I don't know if that I have a relationship with the Lord or I, I'm not sure, but I want to be sure. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But this prayer is for you. Maybe you're like I was. Maybe you had made that decision. You got so far away from God. And you recognize it. You know it. You don't want to stay there. I want to come back. We're going to say this prayer. This prayer can apply to you as well. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If that's you I'm talking to, I'm only going to ask you to do one thing. You say, Alan, that's me. I would like to be in on these prayers. Would you pray for me? Quickly slip up your hand just across this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you really wanted to, you can still get in on this prayer. You pray. This is a prayer you pray with your heart. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. You pray it out loud. If you're watching online, if you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly. Pray this prayer. It's, it's simple, but it's powerful. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. 
because I've said yes to you. Had you still bowed, eyes are closed. Those are different words, but those words will change your eternity. Father, thank you for those who prayed that prayer, for those who stepped out of spiritual darkness into your light, and for those who have come home. And Father, for the rest of us, help us use our words to mirror your words. You've said good things about us. Father, help us to mirror what you say and use our words to, to make a difference in our lives and those around us in this year. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.